It made it entertainment. I'm not talking about entertainment. I want nothing to do with entertainment, but there is power in worship. There is power in letting go and worshiping Almighty God, concentrating only on God. That's what I'm talking about this morning. That's what I'm talking about, getting up, getting up, getting out of that grave. The enemy wants to do is to shut up the Christian. Wants to shut up worship, shut the church up, shut the word up. And we can't let that happen. I want you to press into worship. Make that a point to press in to worship. I'm going to ask my wife if she would pray for this morning's message, please. <clears throat> seated. We make a grave mistake if we dismiss worship as just singing. Amen. It's not true. I think that's what a lot of us fall into is just singing. But if you would just think of some of those songs. He picked me up. He turned me around. He planted my feet on solid ground. How about hell lost another one? And all of you guys should have been screaming on that one. Do you understand? Hell having its fingers wrapped around you pulling you into eternal damnation to never, ever escape. And God spoke life into you, and you have been set free. Hell lost another one. Man, I just put that little phrase on the uh, Facebook page the other day, and it just seemed to explode in people. They're all over the place saying something about that. So please remember, this whole message, as long as my voice, I am well, I am healthy, but something going on with my voice, what y'all just say, that's the enemy. I don't think I talked like this all week until right now. Anyway, the title of this morning's message is Grave Clothes. Grave Clothes. Maybe you need to look in the mirror and make sure you're not wearing grave clothes this morning. John 11.44 says this, And he that was dead came forth. Well, that's what happened to us. We were dead in sins. And God spoke to us. And he brought us forth. Is that true? Once you were dead, once you were blind, now you see, now you live. So this is about us. And it says, and he, he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. Okay, so his face is like the mummy. His face is wrapped, not a little cute napkin. It's, it's wrapped. He's wrapped up totally. So Jesus miraculously rose him from the dead, but did not take his grave clothes off. The man is wholly raised, but he's not wholly freed. God tells us 
to loose, to loose ourselves. It says, what a, here's what a man can't do for himself, God will do. But what man can do for himself, God will not do. He won't. And you must understand this. This is very important. We're going to look at some of the characteristics of the enemies and what he's trying to do to you and New Hope and all Christians. Genesis 3.1, some of the characteristics. It says, now the serpent was more subtle or very crafty, very crafty, sneaky, too much for us. It says, than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. Timothy tells us, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. So he loves to snare us with lies. He's crafty. He's sneaky. He traps us in snares, which we're going to call grave clothes. He wants to wrap you back up after you've been set free by the power of Almighty God. Back in grave clothes. I say, and here's the reason why. Isaiah tells us in chapter 38, verse 18. It says, for the grave cannot praise thee. The enemy doesn't want to hear praise and shouting and glory, excitement in the house of God. For the grave cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. That they go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The psalmist says, for in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? Do you see what's going on? Let's summarize this. There's no praise, no celebration, no hope, no remembrance of him, and no one giving thanks. That's what the enemy wants. To us. Now, the world doesn't know that. The world doesn't have those stirrings and that feeling. They don't know what the anointing is in worship and praise. So the enemy's coming along attempting to shut the church up and try to rob us from work. Worship is a weapon, an unbelievable, powerful weapon, all through the Word of God. And maybe we'll stumble across one here if I remember right. When the enemy surrounds the people of God, the people of God were told by God to send Judah first. Send the praisers and the worshipers first. That doesn't make any sense to a strategic commander nowadays. None at all. So we're being robbed of praise, of celebration, of no hope, no remembrance of Almighty God. Because when you worship God and you start getting pumped in God, you start remembering the goodness and the power and the mercy of Almighty God. It starts to feed. And then it starts to catch on another one and another one and another one. And the Bible tells us that fire begats fire. So worship is definitely a weapon, and when we don't use it, look what happens. Psalms 137 is the perfect example. Here they are, finding themselves in a rough spot in Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yes, we wept when we remembered Zion. That's what you do. You just start weeping over whatever various things that happen. Verse 2 says, and we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. They had their harps with them. They had their weapons with them. You have your weapons with you when you come to the house of God. You know in the Old Testament times when you came to the temple, you had to have a perfect, beautiful offering. 
They checked it. Your offering now is your worship, your dedication to the Lord. You're singing and honoring him. So they hung their harps up. Their spirits were so broken, so sad, they had no heart in them to use their harps, to use their worship. I mean, we, I did. I handpicked those songs and I said, please sing them today because they'll make the point. The last thing the enemy wants is us is to hear us singing and getting pumped up in God. The simple phrase, I just put that little simple phrase, I didn't say anything about it. Didn't say, come tomorrow and you'll hear, oh, I'm preaching on this. All I wrote was, hell's lost another one, I am free. And it struck a note in people's hearts because of that song, most likely, I'm sure. Look at this, Psalms 22, 3 says this, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. The more we praise God, the more the presence of God flows. I mean, this is what he does. This is what, how he's made it. This is the way it is. Praise means to commend or to applaud or to magnify God. That's what it means. And when you do that, God starts to come to that. He's drawn to that. And the more you do it. Remember, it says when they were in one accord and they started to pray, there was a sound from heaven. That's what we have to endeavor to do, be in one accord. You can come in here and you can wonder about the snow or this or get the announcements. When, when that worship starts, you need to zero in on Almighty God. I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, magnify my Lord. I don't care what happens. Praise means to commend, to applaud, or to magnify. For the Christian, praise to God is an expression of worship. Lifting up and glorifying the Lord. What he's done for you, with you, through you in the past. What he'll do in the future. It's actually an expression of humbling ourselves. Humbling ourselves and giving praise and glory and exaltation to another. Don't you hate it when you talk to somebody and they're distracted? You know, you're talking to them and something important in your life or you're talking about your child or what, whatever, and, and they're distracted. You know, they're maybe, maybe texting you or something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, doesn't that just drive you crazy? What about the Lord? What about God when it comes to his time for worship and praise and, and you're distracted by whatever, whatever is going on around you or through your head or what you're permitting? I mean, I, I would think that probably upsets God. I would have to think. High praise brings our spirit into a high point of fellowship and intimacy with God. I hope you get this and understand this. It magnifies our awareness of our spiritual union with the most high God. Praise does. Sometimes I send these songs to people and I always tell them, turn it up. Turn it up and put it on repeat over and over and over so you hear this. Praise and worship transports us into a realm of the supernatural. Here, right here in this church, now. You just focus and concentrate on Almighty God. Who knows what he'll do? Seriously. Don't lose sight of that. 
Micah 3, 8 says, but truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Full of power. Listen to this. I need to drink some water, sorry. <clears throat> Brian, are you around? The throat's not too swift. Psalms 89, 15. Listen to this one. First in the King James and then the New Living. It says, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. Now listen to the New Living. This is why it says, don't dismiss the word. It says this, happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. You have to hear it. You have to hear this. It's not just you singing or saying hallelujah or something. You have to understand where it's coming from and why we're preaching on this and why we're taking time. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. Look what happens. For they will walk in the light of your presence. How awesome is that? Thank you, Brian. What we need is more of God in this church. The more, the more atmosphere of God, the more power of God. And it starts with worship. <clears throat> All right. Excellent. Mark 10, 46 says this. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, bind Bartimaeus, the son of Timothy, sat by the highway, sat begging. Remember this? You know this story. And when he had heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. He began to scream out to God. There was an urgency and a passion in his voice. I must have a touch from God. And most of them around were trying to keep him quiet. <clears throat> You see it, and many charged him that they should hold his peace, but he cried the more, a great deal, a great deal out. As soon as we try to stir you to uh, cry out to Almighty God, whether it's through prayer or through worship, almost immediately you feel embarrassed or you feel funny or you feel silly about it. Why? Because that's the enemy, the enemy to keep you, to keep you from just abandoning yourself into God. Anything to stop you, to slow you down, especially us men. So folks tried to shut him up, and they couldn't. And what happened? You see the results. I think we're too passive in our praying. We're too passive in our worship. It's come ordinary instead of special. Spurgeon said this. Spurgeon says, take the gates of heaven and shake them with all your strength, as though you would pull them up post, bar, and all. He says... And mo most people say, well, that, that's not me. The idea is that did it work? Did the, did the blind man get a hold of God? I mean, didn't it? And I'm, I'm not talking about, this is why I always worry about doing this stuff, because I'm not talking about nonsense and silliness just for nonsense and silliness sake. I'm not. But I'm talking about a calling out, a desperation, a passion. You know, I think coaches will permit certain ball players to make the team because of their passion for what they're trying to do, even though they might not be as good as that person. 
their passion, their drive, their heart. They're always there. They're always showing up. i got to make this team. And they'll pick people because of their heart and their passion and their drive. <clears throat> How about Paul and Silas? Remember Paul and Silas? Think of these stories. They knew the secret of how to lift their hearts before God in a time of trouble. Acts 16.22 says this, And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, changing, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. Now, you have to understand, the atmosphere of this place was awfully depressing. I understand where they were. According to the standards of the prison back then, I mean, there was waste all over the place. Dark, damp, stench-ridden, rat-infested. Nowhere to go to bathroom, no food to eat, and that's where they're locked up. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. I mean, it's a miracle they prayed and alone start singing in that situation. <clears throat> it says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loose. Man, when you start singing those songs, he picked me up, he turned me around, plant my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. I thank God. Amen. That's what you start, you start getting in, engulfed in thanking God. And we are in a, in a time of unthankfulness like never before. <clears throat> Praise and worship will always open closed doors in loose bands. But you, but you have to do it. God has raised you from the dead. He's called you forth. You were dead in sins. He paid the price, rose you up, and now he's saying, okay, loose them. Take that stuff off your mouth. Take that stuff off your clothes so you can raise your hands to God. Not be ashamed. Amen. The psalmist writes, enter into the gates with thanksgiving and in his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And you want a supernatural church, correct? You want a supernatural walk with God. What do our young kids need? They need to see that God is real, that God's alive, that God is powerful, that God will move. Matthew 18, 20 says this, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. The gathering in his name. Listen, this is important means that Jesus must be the focus, the center of this assembly right here, us, when we do this. He must be. He must be the one preached about, taught about, sung about, praised and worshipped. That's what I'm talking about. Hebrews 2.12 says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praises unto thee. God responds. God's presence responds when we move with him in worship and lifting up Jesus Christ, his beloved son. Oh, my goodness. He'll move.
Second Chronicles 20, verse 1 says this. New King James. <clears throat> it happened after this that the people of Moab, when the people of Ammon and others were beside the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude has come up against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. So here they come again. So here's the people of God again in another fix, outnumbered as usual, and once again facing annihilation. Over and over and over. Now think about this. So what's their, what's their big plan? 21 says, after consulting the leaders of the people, the king appointed singers. Not rocket launchers, not subs, not tanks, not planes. The king's going, where are my praisers? Where are my singers? Where are those that we can inhabit the praises that God will come down when we start to praise God? That's what new hope needs. <clears throat> you know, as, as we grow, I mean, I was like, what, 40 or 41 when I started this church. So a lot of time has come and gone. A lot of people end up in, in heaven, which is what we're doing this for, Right? And sometimes this stuff needs to be retaught and restirred because if God brings in others, you need to understand the importance and the power of worship. They're not up here to entertain. Oh, that's almost a blaspheme. That's almost a cuss word. Seriously, it is. Songs are so powerful. The words are powerful. So consulting the leaders of the people, the king appoints singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Amen. That's what we need to do. 22 says. At that moment they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon. Moab and Mount Seir. To start fighting amongst themselves. Who would have figured that out? Isn't that amazing? I mean, you start, you just, I know you have issues and problems and situations that are going on. You start to just worship God and get lost in God. Who knows what God's doing with those problems? Dissolving themselves by the power of God, by the glory of God. This is what, this is supernatural. This is what this place is supposed to be. Don't ever just come here. Don't ever just lose the importance of one service. One serve, one any given service, the power of God can just explode upon the people. And we, our job is to create the atmosphere so that happens. That's your job, to create that atmosphere, to let God know that you want him, the urgency of your Lord as you call upon him. Lord, I beseech thee, show me your glory, God. Remember, Paul, um, was it Moses saying, I beg thee, Lord, show us your glory. Don't take us another step without the glory of God. What did God say to him? Oh, well, I'll show you. The army of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies, and Mount Seir killed every one of them. And they that uh, finished off the army of Seir, they turned on each other. This is crazy. They're killing their allies. Once the allies were killed, they're starting to kill each other. All because 
God sent true praiser and worshipers. Oh, that, they're just praising and worshiping God, probably trying to pull down imaginations. In a few minutes, we're going to get overrun and destroyed and killed. But I'm going to praise God whether I live or die. I'm going to praise you, Lord. I'm going to live for you. Not knowing what God was doing. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point, they were not even in the war. In the wilderness, there were dead bodies laying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Not one. Now what if you was in that meeting and the pastor says, you know what, get all the worshipers. Now think, if our country goes so bad, so far, so crazy, which it seems like it is, that they surround us in this church. And you look out there and they got any, every weapon known to man, and here we are. And you're waiting for this great plan. And I come up and say, well, let's start singing makes no sense in the natural none whatsoever that's what they did let's start singing they're ready to get annihilated and they sang and worshiped and praised God and God did a miraculous miracle that's what we're looking for here every time they come up every time they string a guitar or hit a key <clears throat> So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, dead bodies everywhere. Not one person escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. I mean, this is crazy. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days to just collect it all. Three days. Three days. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. From, the certain, from certain death to the Valley of Blessing. And they worship God. I understand there are many actions, and I wrote them down here because I want to be really plain and simple about this. Involved in praising God. I know that. There's verbal expression, adoration, and thanksgiving. I'm sorry, I'll have to pound on this thing because I can't play an instrument. I just can't. Wish I would, could. They're singing, obviously playing the instruments. They're shouting and dancing, lifting or clapping your hands, various ways. The true praise is not merely going through some of these motions. I want to make that point again. Jesus spoke about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Worship him, but their heart is far from them. <clears throat> but there is something about worshiping Almighty God and getting alone with God. There are certain places in my home, in my house, or at the office, songs that just carry me through Amen. difficult times all the time. <clears throat> Thank you. 
Matthew says, the people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Genuine praise to God is a matter of humility, saying, Lord, there's not a thing I can do, but I'm going to worship you and honor you. So as our band makes its way back, I pray that you would start to understand the power of worship and the power of praise. Not just today, because I'm making it a point, but every time, every part, every service. Listen, I also understand this, kind of like right now with me, with this goofy voice of mine that doesn't have any oomph. Praise is a sacrifice. Sometimes you don't feel like it. Sometimes you're not too well. Sometimes you just don't, uh, a couple weeks ago, going through temperature up and down, up and down every other day. I mean, I just turned on the, the music, the, the one song about I thank, the, uh, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. And I just said, Lord, I'm just going to sit under the blood of Almighty God. So praise can be a sacrifice. It says this in Hebrews 13, but him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. When we begin to praise God, it sends the enemy running. I mean, I, I can't imagine Silas, Paul, and stocks and bonds and and they're looking at each other, can't move, saying, let's start singing. Yes. I don't even know in a situation like that that I wouldn't be even thinking about singing. And they start to sing, and God starts to move by the power of God. And God's receiving glory because all those who are stuck in jail hear them. And then the chains and the locks start to fall off. And God wants to set people free this morning. Hell's lost another one. I am free. Many times, like I said, I've gone through the cycle with this church, starting it, getting to know you, marrying some of you, then marrying your children, and now I'm burying people my age, but I walk away and think, you know what, Lord? Heaven won another one. Another one has made it home. Hell's lost another one. That's what this is all about. And that is worth praise and glory to God. So I ask you today to start concentrating about worshiping God and giving God the glory. Let's stand. Sorry about my voice today. I didn't expect it to be so raspy. <clears throat> Let's give God praise and let's give God glory. Let's go out of here this morning being thankful for what he's done. That he's truly turned my life around. Set my feet. Remember the direction you were going. Your home was hell. That's where your home was. That's your address. And God reached down, saved you, called you forth, and set your feet upon solid ground. <coughs>
Get up out of that grave. Come on. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Are you waiting this morning? Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Turn me around, place my feet on the solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because He healed my heart, changed my name. Forever free, I am not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. I lost another one. Let's sing it out. I am free. 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 Facebook will try to tell as many people as possible. Supposedly the snow's coming. Who knows? Teresa, how about taking us, please, and dismissing us this morning? Hallelujah. We do thank you, God, that we are free. I am free from the law of sin and death. Thank you, Lord, for freedom, that we can walk in freedom, we can live in freedom, that our hearts can be clean and pure before you, God. And I pray that we would look to you, that we would have hearts that would truly worship God. Thank you for meeting us here today, God. And I pray this word would just germinate in our hearts and it would do what you have purposed it to do for us. Be with each person here this day as we go. Bring us back tonight, God. If that's what you would have, I pray that you just have your hand upon each person here as we leave this house. And I thank you for it. Let our hearts always be thankful. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.